everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today we are finally talking about Out of the Shadows by Justina Ireland. I am so, so excited to finally be talking about this with you. It's, it's such a good book. I know both of us finished it a while back, like a few weeks ago, but um, it's so good. Justina Ireland does not miss ever. And, like, she, like she's, like, in her zone when she's writing YA. Like, so especially, it's especially good. Yeah. Like, I, like, I've, I've said this before. I will say it again. Lost Stars is still my favorite. But if you took Lost Stars out of the mix, this would be my, yeah, fi- my favorite Yeah, it's your book. second, it's your second favorite. Yeah, especially in YA. It's just, like, ugh, chef's kiss. Justina. Oh, my God. I'm excited for you know, Daniel Jose Older to write his YA book, but, like, can it top this? I just, I don't know. It'll be different. It'll be different. I think it's, is that one going to be, like, the mystery one? Yeah. I can't remember what that one is called. Which is cool because Last Shot was kind of, like, a mystery, like, solving a mystery. Yeah, they had, like, stakeouts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Last Shot. I, re- I think I want to reread that soon. Maybe I'll, I'll take out the audiobook from the library. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I'm really excited for his upcoming book. I'm excited for High Republic in general. It's just been such a fresh, like, like breath of fresh air to have the, these writers write on this clean slate. They're not tied down by anything. They can literally just write the stories that they want to, but in the backdrop of, like, the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and I, I just love that, like, the story is so clear across all the books because they're working so closely together. Like, nobody's stepping on any toes. You know, characters show up in lots of different forms. Like, it's it's very nice to see. They're their own story trust. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, like, it's just such a great team of people. I have to wonder if, like, they'll ever rotate new people in. I, I've i been wondering that, especially with um, Wave 3 coming, because that'll close out Phase 1, if, like, the next... Phase 2. Yeah, is it going to be, like, a new group? Is it the same group with maybe new people? I am... Um, I'm a little hesitant about letting new people in. Yeah, so... Am I. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think these guys are doing such a good job. Five people, like, kind of kind of, like creating this universe together seems like the perfect amount Mm -hmm. before it kind of, I guess, starts to... The more people you put in, the less you're going towards, like, a certain goal, I guess. Like, your your vision starts to vary more the more people that you put into the mix. Mm -hmm. So it would have to be someone who is just, like so willing to keep going with this like shared vision but also like bring in their own ideas someone who can just like meld in really easily so like there's definitely there's definitely people that i would not want to see thrown in the mix and i mean we know you know exactly who i'm talking about um and like and then there's other people who i do think that could be thrown into the mix um but I don't necessarily think have the time to dedicate to this. Because these writers are basically, like, dedicating themselves to the High Republic and not writing too much outside of it right now. 
Yeah. Well, and I always think back to um, that panel we saw with them because they spent, like, a lot of time, like, at Skywalker Ranch, like, coming up with this. They basically went on, like, a retreat. Yeah. (laughs) They went on a retreat and they basically were like, we're going to create this new bit of Star Wars. It's untouched by the rest of it. It's literally our playground. And they built it from, like, the ground up. So if somebody new was going to come in, like, they have to be, like, on board, not, you know, rock the boat. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I, I feel part of me do like really does think that in wave two we might see a new author i don't know who it would be but i just i don't want to lose any of the authors we have the way that i'm okay with throwing in a new author is that you know like they're taking some weight off of let's say claudia gray so she can take a little break from the high republic to write her obitine book obitine Lost Stars too. <laughs> yeah. That's like, and like, Claudia, like, please come back to the High Republic. But if you need a little break to do either of those books, like, I am very, I'm very accepting of that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I, I would be totally fine if, like, that's what she needed. Um, as long as, you know, she personally mm-hmm. handpicked somebody to do so, you know. Yeah. Who would you, like, like, who would you just throw in there? I think... Mer Lafferty would be a really yeah. good pick. Because um, mm-hmm. to me, you know, like, she and um, DJ Older both did, like, solo books. So I think they're kind of similar. I think her writing style kind of meshes well with Claudia and Justina. Um, so that would be really interesting. I, I'd be yeah. I'd be interested in that. What about... Um, why is his name blanking? What did you write? The, the Last Jedi Oh, Jason Fry. Or- Jason Fry. There you go. That's the other person that comes to my mind. That would be interesting. I would be looking. I mean, I'm talking about just like a substitute in while Claudia is a little busy. I'm not I'm not <laughs> saying like he's around to like permanently stay necessarily, right. but we're talking about like, you know, um Claudia's just taking like a six month year break off of the High Republic. We're gonna Okay, but rotate. Okay, so like in. here's the thing. If I was gonna have somebody step in for Claudia, I think the best. Off- okay, like you're you're thinking about someone more her style. Like yeah, yeah, somebody, sure. no, no, I, yeah, I, I agree somebody with more you her then. style. But I, and so like I'm thinking mm-hmm. like if Claudia had to step out, you know, to work on that, and they wanted somebody similar, you know, who would be really good, Rebecca Roanhorse. <gasps> no, that's the one. That's the one, right? Bringing Rebecca Roanhorse. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> that's yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah. No, 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 not even, not even just like similar. Like, like she's the one that they should cycle in yeah i I think if if anybody was even just gonna join the team she oh she would she would know how to do that (laughs) she'd be good that would also even us out we'd have three girls three boys three boys oh yeah 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 yeah, we always forget about charles soul (laughs) yeah (laughs) i I knew exactly which one you forgot about Yeah. (laughs) All right. But before we get um, too far into that, um, we do have a recommendation. Um, So, Alex, what have you been watching recently? Is this a wreck? Like, I don't know. Well, I I want you to share your experience. Okay. Well, um, on Friday or on Thursday, Colin Trevorrow from, like, well, I mean, you guys know him from Tross fame, but, um, 
he so he's like in charge of like the new Jurassic Park movies and he said something like the next movie is like answering the question like can humans and dinosaurs coexist peacefully and he's like the answer is no so then I was like well, Colin, like, Dinotopia already answered that question, first of all, and the answer is yes, they can. <laughs> so, like, so then I was just like, oh, man, like, so Dinotopia is this, like, three-part uh, mini-series. They're basically, like, three TV movies because they're, like, an hour and a half each, and ABC made them, and they came out in 2002, and... I just, like, remember, like, seven-year-old, eight-year-old Alex, like, loving this. Like, I had it, like, taped off of TV on a VHS. I loved it. So I found out that, in Canada at least, it's on Prime. It's on Prime Video. So I spent my Friday night watching almost all of it. I finished the the final part on Saturday. (laughs) It was so fun. And it's, um... Coming out in 2002, it was very reminiscent of prequels dialogue. Like, it just, like, felt like watching Star Wars prequels. And I was, like, living my best life watching this. The um, animation for 2002, especially for TV animation, was really good. Apparently, they won Emmys for their visual effects, even. Um, It's very good for the time. Like I said to you, it looks better than Once Upon a Time, which I know is not a high bar, but considering Once Upon a Time was, like, many years later, it looked better than that. Um, um, The the puppets are very cute. (laughs) Puppet dinosaurs, very cute. Um, And it's just, like, the most bizarre um, melding of Rotel Dorado and animated Atlantis with dinosaurs. I just, I really enjoyed it. Like, everything I know about you and then everything you were telling me about this, I'm like, of course little Alex was in love with this show. Like, of course she was. (laughs) (laughs) And then apparently there's also a TV show that ABC made a year or two later that um, they had made, I think, 12 episodes, but it was, like, really not doing well, so they only aired six, like, and then I think in the UK they actually aired all of them, but I didn't know about the series. I don't think I've actually seen the series that they did after the movies. So I'm gonna look into that. Yeah, honestly, if I if I can find Dinotopia because I haven't looked it up yet, it's um, on YouTube. Oh, you I know did send I that link to Andy. You? Yeah, yeah, it, I found it on YouTube. Okay, so it's accessible. Okay, yeah, because <laughs> so like. You get you get yourself a dinosaur soulmate. They write in this weird foot language. <laughs> <laughs> I just everything yeah, you told me everyone, about it. I, was like, what? I mean, everyone, every human in Dinotopia is like matched with a dinosaur, and they're your life partner and like your soulmate. <laughs> and, they, and there's even a ceremony like a wedding with your dinosaur. <laughs> I just. I'm reading those silly new vampire books, you know, like Crave, Crush, Covet, and like they have a mating system. <laughs> like, okay, the mating bonds snap into place, you know. <laughs> oh my god. And like, and Zippo the dinosaur, like his life partner, <laughs> yeah, Zippo, he's the like talking dinosaur sidekick, 
And like his life partner Sylvia, like died like like is she the generations she the before? Yeah, she's the babe. Because <laughs> like one of the characters is like, wow, she was a babe. <laughs> Yeah, and he like, and he's like never loves babe. again, right? <laughs> yeah, he was like he's like no one will ever be like Sylvia. No one. <laughs> oh my god. No, I just like you're right though. Like it's such a beautiful like combination of like camp that like made two thousand two work. Yeah, the dialogue was like straight out of Attack of the Clones. That's amazing. Like it was glorious. And even like Dinotopia itself looks like Naboo. It does, though. You sent me those pictures. It really mm-hmm. does. Oh, man. Like, I would be so here for them. Just Disney, just rebooting. lean back into it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Disney, you're rebooting everything. You're sitting on, like, a pile of cash. Yeah. This could be their Jurassic Park. Yeah. Like, and, like, everything from the early 2000s is coming back anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, fashion, 90s and early 2000s fashion. Like, why aren't dinosaurs coming back? And, like, I don't mean, like, Jurassic Park, because, like, that's been going on for a few years, and, like, honestly, like, they're they're not as special as, like, the original movie was. No. Like, it's not, it's not the same magic. Like, they're not harnessing the charm of 90s and 2000s dinosaur obsession. Like, that's what we need to encourage now, is just the charm and the camp of it. Yeah, because it's not about, like, oh, I want to watch dinosaurs cause havoc and eat people. Like... That's not what it was. No. Because, like, I was a child. I watched Land Before Time. Like, everybody loved dinosaurs in the early 2000s. Like, that was just a thing. <laughs> what a time. So, yeah, Dinotopia, um, little baby Alex stamp of approval. Uh, <laughs> go find it. <laughs> so, jumping back into um, some Star Wars. So, we did get something recently. Um it was the Mandalorian special making of all about Luke Skywalker and that finale. Now, neither one of us have watched this. <laughs> My dad watched it. He didn't have nice things to say about it, but I love I love when Steve gets sassy. <laughs> yeah, I might watch it. I mean, it's kind of like a rainy afternoon right now, maybe after we're done recording. I might put it on and multitask. <laughs> well, like, we were talking about this before we started recording. Like, we were not the biggest fans of Mando Season 2 um, or that finale. Well, especially the finale. Yeah. Especially the finale. Um, and it, it's left us feeling a little weird, especially, like, going into Ahsoka. But, like, everything else around Ahsoka sounds yeah. cool, so... I just don't know yet. But other than that, um, we did also get the trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home, which we've been very much looking forward to. The trailer is, like, well worth the wait. <laughs> it was really good. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really excited. It, like, I don't know what I was expecting, but they really showed, like, a lot with Doctor Strange yeah. and all of that. Well, one of my friends regrets watching the trailer. Really? Because they feel like, yeah, she felt like she saw too much. And she's not tied into all of the pop culture news, so she didn't even know that Alfred Molina was coming back. Oh, yeah. Even though that had been confirmed already, like, people already knew that. He even, like, broke NDA. Remember a while back, he was like, I don't care about NDA. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm in this movie. Um, (laughs) What are they going to do to me? I'm married to Jennifer Lee. (laughs) Yeah, like, she, like, she was, like, 
kind of disappointed that she didn't watch it. Like, she did watch it, so she told her boyfriend not to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think both of them like going into movies pretty blind, especially movies that they know they're gonna see anyways. Yeah, to me, I feel like the amount of stuff that they showed with Doctor Strange and the multiverse and all of that tells me that that is all like beginning of the movie. Yeah, with, like, this I, early I don't of a trailer. think that they gave, I don't think they gave that much. I don't think so either. I was surprised that they did give that much, but I honestly think that they were kind of like, everybody already knows that we're doing the multiverse because of WandaVision, because of Loki. We already know Doctor Strange is going to be introduced in this way. Like, let's just really give a tease. And, like, a Green Goblin. The Green like, Goblin thing was amazing. I, I... Listen, I'm here yeah. for the Doc Ock, but, like, that Green Goblin tease was also really good. <laughs> yeah. So I think, like, people are saying that right now we have, we basically have five of the Sinister Six confirmed. So everyone's, like, wondering who's the sixth. Wait, the who sixth are all villain? of them? It's Doc Ock, the Lizard, Green Goblin, Electro. Electro. That's four. Um, 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 Vulture. Oh, is he bad? Oh, yeah, he is because yeah. of the Lego set. So the sixth person is unknown. I feel like the sixth one, so that's two from Tobey Maguire, two from Andrew Garfield, and one from um, New Spider-Man. Yeah. So it could be a brand, brand new character. What if Jake Gyllenhaal is back? I mean, if he's not dead, if he faked his death. Oh, that's true. Listen, though, like, I, it's multiverse, so I really want Jake Gyllenhaal to be back, and I want there to be a Taylor Swift reference. <laughs> well, it could be Venom too, right? Oh, that's right. A lot of people were kind of wondering if they were going to connect Venom in, and they delayed. But Venom. I don't know. Is Venom? I was going to say, is Venom a part of the Sinister Six in comics, though? I don't know anything about the Sinister Six. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting, though, because I people would like were to throwing see a that around. Villain. I yeah. A woman villain and like. Even Tom was asked about that. Did you see that TikTok where where Tom was asked and he said that he would really like to see a woman villain? No. Yeah, that was like that was during uh, Far From Home Press when oh. someone asked him what he would want to see in a villain next time. So other than that, there are some book announcements. So the day that this episode comes out, Tempest Runner will be available. It's the newest audiobook. It's by our baby boy Kevin Scott. Um, And it's all about Lorna D, which we're going to be talking about her today because she plays a pretty important role in Out of the Shadows. (laughs) I can't wait to see how he hurts us again. (laughs) And the other book is um, Edge of Balance, uh, which is a manga. It's by Justina Ireland, who conveniently also wrote Out of the Shadows. That will be out September 7th. And then they will also be publishing... Um, volume one of the Hair Public comics, which is issues one through six, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can start getting caught up because lots of stuff's happening, Alex. Lots of things. Yeah, I know. I have it pre-ordered. Lots of things are happening. <laughs> <laughs> I really like in the first six issues, it's, I think the main character's name is Keeve, and it's really focused in on her and then like them kind of discovering this like Dringear plot. And it got a lot darker than I was expecting. (laughs) 
So interesting. I'm, I'm and Avar is like central to the comics, I think. She is. Um, I would definitely say Keeve is the main character, but this is definitely Avar's side of the story, like with what's going cool. on. Well, I know like we alluded to it in um, Rising Storm where Avar was like busy with the Jangir, and that's the story that's told through the comics, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, well, because she was busy with like the huts, and there there were a lot of. Yeah. Like, finger-pointing and Rising Storm about her working with them. And you get to see in the comics, like, how she starts working with them and why and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the huts are such an interesting species that they always throw in. They're even in the um, the the new bounty hunter stuff. Those They're in that. That's another thing. Kira's getting a spin-off comic series. Totally forgot oh, about that. Yeah. I'm, That's big news. I'm so here for that. Oh man. The cover's so pretty. It's so pretty. And like her arms are huge. <laughs> She's been working She's, out. Well, I mean, she threw them all in the trash. Like, <laughs> I just, man, what a queen. I really, I really hope it's revealed that she messed with his ship. And that, that's how he ended up on Malachor. I really hope so. I, like, that's my headcanon, and I will believe it until otherwise. Oh, 100%. And I really want it in the comics. Yeah. I, like, I want, like, a full, like, femme fatale with Kira just, like, double-crossing Maul and just leaving him on that trash planet. Like, that would be amazing. <laughs> All right, so I think with that, we are finally ready to dive into Out of the Shadows. Um, Like with all of our book discussions, we're going to talk a little bit non-spoiler if you haven't read it yet, but we are going to be, like, going all the way into it. So if you haven't read the book, you don't want to be spoiled. There are some big things that happen that are going to have big ramifications for the rest of Higher Public. So you have been warned. So I guess start us off, you know... What what are your thoughts? Where are we at in the galaxy? Like, what's what's going on with this book? It's kind of crazy. We're at a crazy point in the High Republic where now that the, the, the whole, the, the fair happened, it's like there's no denying now that the Nile are responsible for all of this going on. Yeah. No, they, they've, like, made like, a statement. Like, there's no covering it up. Like... Re- the Republic can't cover it up mm-hmm. anymore. Like, they they are clearly responsible and they are a big threat. So, like, it's interesting to see now, like, how it's being handled now that it's out in the open and, like, the public knows. Mm-hmm. Which one of our main characters in this book, or, or even two of them, you could say, are they're not, like, involved with the Jedi. They're not involved with the Nile. So they do kind of have that outsider's perspective, and so you do see a little bit of how they respond with, you know, mm-hmm. how the Jedi are handling things. So Out of the Shadows, I, I thought this was really interesting. It takes place not too long after the attack on Valo. Like, I think a little it's like bit. like a month. Yeah, a little bit of time passed, a little bit of cleanup. I think it's actually the same amount of time between, like, the book releases. Yeah, it, yeah I think so, too. And I think Wave 1, a lot of things were kind of happening all at once, centered around that great disaster. And now, with this second wave, it's... The first two books we got did take place within that fair. And now this book is like, all right, that's happened. Let's take a step back. And kind of see, yeah. like, check this in with like, their characters. This is, like, wave 2.5. I, I would agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. Because it, it has a different kind of feeling. And 
I think the reason we liked it so much is it's very character-focused. Mm-hmm. Where, like, the other books have been kind of, like, driven by a big, like, catalytic, like, event, like, the fair or the great disaster, exactly. So this book is, like, in the aftermath of it. So it really deals with how the characters are feeling and not them aiding the event that is happening in the book. Right. It is, like, really, like, and, and you know, like, the Jedi have to go to therapy. Like, they are dealing with a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, like, you check back in, and, like, some of our characters were there on Valo. Some of them weren't there, and you see how, like, that has really changed them. One of my favorite things about this book is that we check back in with Wreath, Emery, and Vernestra, who were all in Wave 1, and Wreath was not on Valo. He was not part of that attack. But, like, Vernestra and, and Emery were, and they have really changed when we first saw them. Whereas with Wreath, he feels about the same to the point where I feel like something is, like, almost, like, brewing with Wreath. Like, we haven't seen, like, we haven't seen, like, an arc, like, a culmination with him yet. So I do think that's coming. He's on the edge of something. He is on the like, edge is, of something. Is, is he going to be a Lost 20? <sighs> I don't know. I think any of them could be a Lost 20 at this point. <laughs> like, I just, uh, like, I, I mean, we'll, Emery, we'll, get, we'll get into like, it. Emery. Like, Emery. Oh, Vernestra. Ver- yeah, Vernestra. I think. I think Master oh, Comac is feeling some things. Like. There's a lot going on here. And, like, that's what this book is really showing. It's taking a step back and it's like, okay, so you saw with, you know, the rising storm, not everybody's quite on the same page. But did you realize that they are really, really quite not on the same page with anything? Like, with what the Order's doing, with what the Force is doing. Like, even Vernestra is questioning Stellan Geos, who was her master. Well, it's like, it's so much like the prequels. But instead of having one Anakin, there's, like, five. Yeah, they're all Anakin. <laughs> they're all questioning. Which, honestly, like, that's what we wanted to see from Star Wars, right? Like, we wanted mm-hmm. to see them, like, questioning what's being told. So, before we get into too many spoilers, basically the plot of this book, like we said, it's them kind of, like, taking a step back. I would say the main character is Sylvester Yarrow. She's a holler. She's a new character. And basically... All these threads come together with how, like, what's been going on with our Jedi, what's going on with Sylvestri, what's going on with the Nile. They all kind of end up meeting in the middle somehow, and they're uncovering this, like, political plot that's happening. And at the end of the book, you get all of these revelations where you're like, oh my god, like, it's about to go down, and wave three is gonna hurt, (laughs) is what I would say. Star Wars is pain, is all I'll say. Oh, God, Star Wars is pain, and buckle up, the pain is coming. So let's talk about our characters. And this might start to get spoilery, so um, if you're not here for spoilers, that's totally fine. We recommend this book. Go check it out. Um, But we've got got a lot of people um, within this book. Let's maybe start with Syl and... Jordana. Sill and Jordana. Let's talk about them a little bit. So, Sill and Jordana are 
exes. Mm-hmm. But still can't stop thinking about Jordana. Like, we even, like, open this book with her worrying about running into Jordana on this planet. It's like, you're on a planet with, like, probably millions of other people, and you think you're going to run into your ex. I mean, like, she does. <laughs> and she does. Um, but really, like, I think the story, like, their story is really about, like, them coming back together. Understanding each other's perspectives of the breakup, especially, and, like, why they had to break up, but also why these two people are actually meant to be together. Mm-hmm. Man, I love, like, because... Still, until she meets back up with Jordana, like you, like you said, like she talks about it all the time. She's always thinking about her. She's very angry, um, and as we find out, it's because she was gonna leave. And she asked Jordana to come with her, and she did not. And so she, you know, obviously that hurts. And they get to have this conversation where they literally talk about like their relationship, and they're like. You know, like, why didn't you come with me? Like, what's going on? And, like, Jordana's like, you know, Mm -hmm. I've realized now that, like, I haven't been fighting for what actually matters and all this. And, like, you know, beside the fact that that's amazing to see in a Star Wars book, like, that's some really good YA, like, emotional character growth that we get in this book. Well, yeah. She steps back and she, like, finds herself and finds her purpose. Mm -hmm. She really does, like... like swoop in and she's like you know what I have decided that like I am ready I'm ready to fight for you and like I know you're still mad and you're allowed to still be mad but like prepare to be wooed she literally says that (laughs) and she's just like you know I'm gonna fight for you and I'm going to prove that you know like we should be together again and that was like so amazing to see I just really love that Justina Ireland writes this so like Obviously, we talk about it. She writes X's a lot. She writes X's really well. Yeah. Like, she writes, you know, That's like... Her. <sighs> yeah, she does it in Genmation, too. Yeah, well, and she does gay romance so well. Yeah. Like, n- never before has a Star Wars book had such amazing, like, LGBT rep. Like... And, like, genuine, <sighs> Genuine. Too. Like, not... Not... It, it doesn't feel like it's thrown in... For the sake of having rap. Mm-hmm. It influences the plot. It influences mm-hmm. the characters. It's baked in. You can't have Syl without her, you know, being in love with Jordana. You couldn't change it to be some other way because Syl is even, like, it informs how she interacts with Vernestra. It informs how she interacts with Nan. Like, it's part of her character and I really love that, like, Justina is so, like, yeah, this is going to be in my Star Wars book, because that's what we need. And the other thing about Jordana is that she's a relative of the Santagos. Mm-hmm. I am so fascinated with this. So we learn, like, through um, Syl at the beginning of this book that there's also another family opposite the Santagos, which are the Graphs. And it's very much... Um, a Montague, a Capulet, um, House Divided kind of feel, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I I really love that. And I love that Jordana kind of introduces that, like, the Santecas are a really big, really old family. And, like, she's on this planet basically just, like, as a deputy, just kind of doing her thing. But we learn that, like, the graphs are still doing a lot when it comes to, like, the hyperspace lanes, and they still have a lot of wealth and a lot of money. 
And I like this power dynamic that I'm getting. Well, it's these two really old, rich families that have a hold on the galaxy. Like, yeah, there's the Republic, but these families are very rich and they're they're rich enough and powerful enough to change the dynamic of, like, the political landscape. Mm-hmm. Honestly, by the end of this book, which if you're still holding on and still waiting for those spoilers, here comes the big one. I would say that the matriarch of the Graf family is more of a big bad than Marcherian Roe. Yeah. 100%. Like, she just swept in and played them all. And I just, like, it took me a minute, because when I first read it, I didn't quite grasp it all. And when I went back and I, I skimmed through the entire book again, and she, like, literally... You know, so I played him like a violin and I made it look oh so easy. Like, literally, Alexa play, I did something bad. That's the matriarch of the Graf family. Well, it makes me even more excited for the Tempest Runner. Mm -hmm. Because that's going to be about Lorna. And the Grafs were working with Lorna this entire time. This entire time. So, before we get too far into that, let's kind of back up a little bit and talk about like, Syl's introduction. Because, like we said, like, she's the main character. So we do find out that she was previously with the Bind Guild. But it got disbanded. Mm-hmm. Because of the Jedi. It was in um, Into the Dark. It was okay, um, okay. Affy Hollow. She was the oh, one yes, who kind Affie. of exposed all of the things going mm-hmm. on there. Yeah, so she was a holler with her mom. Her mom... Uh, gets k-worded by the nile or so we think and basically like i really love that sill in this book is such an outsider in the fact that like she was just riding along in her ship her ship gets forcibly pulled out of hyperspace and she's like what the heck is happening so she goes to coruscant to like try to get somebody to help her and literally gets swept along on this adventure mm-hmm but this is also a lesson to, like, the Jedi is, like, eliminating the Bind Guild isn't the way to create peace. No, 100% not. It just, it, it caused things to become worse. And they need to take a look at how the galaxy is structured right now. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something that um, Jordana says about the Jedi. She says that, like, they're so removed from the galaxy that they're really just fighting for ideas and not people so they just see everything as like good and bad black and white so that's you know like they could take something like the bind guild which was using like indentured servants like slavery basically and just be like oh that's bad we're going to disband it but then all these people who relied on it at the beginning of this book like still has like no money she's lost her mom she doesn't know what she's doing she has this crew she can't feed like, she, they didn't spare any thought for all these people that also got disbanded along with it. Mm-hmm. And now, like, fuel is more expensive. Everything is more expensive. It's impossible to make a living. Well, because this war with the Nile is costing a lot of money. <laughs> yep. And the Republic doesn't have the money. Nope. And that's something else that they say. They're like, you know... I don't understand why these Jedi are here on Coruscant when, like, people are being attacked by the Nile or, like, people clearly need help in these other places, and yet 
that's not where the Jedi are. They've underestimated the Nile. 100%. And now, they're, now they have no choice but to fight and spend money they don't have. Which I think <laughs> is exactly what the Nile wanted. Like, I kind of feel like we're going to see a civil war within the Republic itself. Yeah. Well, like, the Nile's going to run them ragged of resources. Mm-hmm. They're going to have nothing. Yeah. Which I feel like that kind of transitions a little bit into, like, Wreath and Master Comac, because you really see a lot of that unrest with the Jedi through their perspective, because Master Comac is a little... He does things a little bit differently. Um, he, he went through a lot in Into the Dark, I would say. Mm-hmm. They kind of get tossed into this story because no one... Um, people are worried about um, Vernestra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, literally, they were just there to, like, hitch a ride. Like, he's friends with Vernestra, yeah, it's great. Yeah, well, Vernestra's not allowed to take out ships anymore. I love that scene so much. <laughs> oh, my, sh- Vernestra's crashed so many ships that, like, the shipmaster on the Starlight Beacon is like, no more ships for you. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't get to go. They're like, you can take a cab. Yeah. <laughs> and, or take like public transportation like no well like also this shipmaster is just like a ball of gas <laughs> like <laughs> i just oh that was amazing yeah but like they're really just like along for this ride and they get tossed in basically because of politics like vernestra and emery were gonna like go on this mission which ties in with sill and because they are so young like the Jedi Council was asked, like, no, 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 we want, we want somebody real. Well, they were also. It's also like they're just worried about Vernestra because she's been through a lot, mm-hmm. and she's young, and she has a Padawan, which later she is told that you know, like, you probably shouldn't have taken the child this early, even if mentally you were ready Mm -hmm. like emotionally you weren't ready and you're not ready to have a padawan yeah master comac literally says that to her i said that when we read um which one was it um test of courage test of courage i was worried at the end of that book i was like this is a bad idea yeah we both were we were like this is not like nope um he's she's so young and her padawan's like a couple years younger than her like and emory Things are happening to Emery. Oh, like, this poor boy. This he's poor so boy. Anxious. And he takes anxiety away from other people. Like, he can feel anxiety radi- radiate off of other people. And he has this ability to, like, mute. Like, not mute, but kind of, like... They, they say it's, like, a warm smile. Is it Reef that says that? Yeah, I was looking, too. Um, he does it on Vernestra, and she said it felt like um, like ice melting in the sun. Like, it just kind of, like, mm. slips off of you. And, like, the reason... So, like, he already had this, but the reason yeah. it's gotten so strong is because he was on Valo, and because so many people were suffering, and he could feel it all, and he just wanted it to stop. Yeah. Like, what a baby. And so, like, he... <sighs> my gosh like i am like so intrigued what's gonna happen to him right? yeah because it's either gonna blow up in his face or it's gonna do something good well he already went a little dark once we saw that in a I test know, of courage but if he, like i think this ability is good if he uses it in the right way yeah. which is what vernestra tells him you know she tells him like it's it's not necessarily bad it's just 
a little invasive, I think is how she puts it. I, because to me, I think of all these characters, Imri is the obvious one that would fall to the dark side or leave the Jedi. But I don't think it's going to be him because I think it's obvious. I think that it's going to be Vernestra. <laughs> I, so like Vernestra admits in this book that she doesn't know how to help him and that she is, I think it's really clear to see in this book that she is overwhelmed. There's so much happening. She is, she doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. She has to be in charge. She has to make these decisions. And she's she's a kid. And she's told that she can't keep up this pace. Yeah. Like, she won't be able to keep this up. Mm-hmm. Like, being, like, the overachiever, successful Jedi she's been, it, she's going to crash and burn. Yeah, it's not sustainable. My God. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and it's, like, at one point, it, like, on one hand, she is, like trying to do all this and she's very young and like she admits that she is struggling but on the other hand like throughout this book it happens with Jordana it happens when they're introduced to Xylan like they're all like who like what are you 12 like you're too young like why are you here why are you doing this like nobody listens to her and so there's a lot of frustration there and she's already Mm -hmm. worried because she has this lightsaber that she modified and she's not sure if people are going to be okay with it which she's keeping a secret she still hasn't told Stella that and now she has this ability that she used to have when she was younger flaring up again I guess we're, we're full on in Vernestra talk now. yeah I feel like it yeah. was all just leading to Vernestra right she's, so she has this ability it's like a it's like visions but it's stuff is it stuff that already happened it's like it's like stuff that's going happening. to happen. I, I think she saw yeah, it's it stuff currently that's current. It's it's not like Anakin where he's dreaming of things that could happen. It's these things are happening. The way I think of it as so like they describe Mary Santeca, which if you're not quite caught up on all the books, she is the Santeca that Marcherian Rowe uses for his paths because she can see into hyperspace. She can navigate through it. I think that Vernestra has that same ability. Yeah. Cuz yes. Yeah, cuz it only I mean, that's the end of this book. That's Yeah, it, it only happens when she's in hyperspace <laughs> and it seems like what happens is she kind of gets pulled somewhere else in hyperspace. And she's able to link that. She's able to link that and that's the hyperspace path that they can take. Yeah, like she, you know, she appears there and I feel like as she gets stronger with this ability, she'll probably be able to like walk herself back and be like, "Oh, you know, like I could go this way or I could do this." Like she's like tapping into hyperspace basically um which she says that she was able to do as a kid and then it went away she had her trials whatever but now it's back and i do wonder why that is but i also think that mary santeca who has been who talks to her during these visions might have pulled her back into it well that's what i'm thinking like marie like kind of knew death was near maybe (laughs) (laughs) like she like this is like like i'm gonna die um this ability needs to be like passed on to the next the crown the like i'm crowning the next person yeah so like to me is it that is it she knows like she's fading I i mean it wouldn't surprise me you know that she knew about vernestra anyway because when she like 
Marie Santeca would just go anywhere in hyperspace, like, all the time. Like, she could just walk around, like, within her consciousness. So, like, she would know if there was somebody else like her. She probably felt Uh it. So I could definitely see, yeah, she's like, my time has come. Like, I need to impart this information to you. So sorry, chick. Here we go on an adventure. Like, you're the one. Like, you have no choice. You're the chosen one. (laughs) Yeah, so, like... On top of everything, Vernestra now also has this, and she struggles throughout this whole book whether or not she wants to tell people. And she does tell Emery, like, her and Emery are, like, best friends, which she does say she thinks might be the problem with her maybe being a bad, like, teacher or whatever to him as a Padawan, because they're so close and they're more like friends. There's a lot of Anakin and Obi-Wan in this. Oh, there's a lot. There's so much. <laughs> I was actually going to say that um, there's part of it, part of me that kind of equates her to Anakin, but in like an opposite way where like Anakin was quote unquote too old. Like he was too old to um, be a Jedi to do the trials and all of that. Um, and she, on the other hand, is too young. Like, always, it's always too young to do this, and he's always too old to do this. Um, I think they're having similar struggles, um, similar trust issues. Um, I wouldn't, I don't know if Anakin was necessarily ready to have a Padawan either. I love that. <laughs> I, I hadn't even thought about that. That's so yeah. true. It is so true. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> and like she she has you know that that Anakin in her but she also has kind of that Obi-Wan and I would say mm-hmm. she gets that because her master was Stellan Geos and he is Mr. Perfect poster boy you know Jedi and yeah. I think she is struggling with maybe still wanting to rely on him but then kind of throughout this book I almost feel like she stops trusting him a little bit um, well, because she's questioning everything. Yeah, she's questioning everything, and she's not she's not aware that Stellan is kind of in a dark place and questioning things. Well, that's the thing because Jedi don't talk to each other about these things. Like that's, <laughs> they don't talk about feelings. They don't talk about feelings. That, that's the problem. Um, it, she's going through it. She doesn't know how to talk to him, and I'm happy that she does have Wreath and she has Emery and she talks to them because Wreath is also feeling that. Also not sure. Well, they have that night where they go sparring, like, in the middle of the night. Like, they can't sleep. Yeah. That's a great scene Sorry, where they kind of scene. both... They they kind of, like, both confide in each other that they're questioning stuff. Yeah. Okay. And so here's another thing that I want to bring up, which that reminded me of. So Wreath, Emery, Vernestra. They're all Jedi. They're all very young. They're all extremely different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because two of them are Padawans. One is... Pretty old for a Padawan. One's pretty standard, but he's got that a lot of feelings. And then we have Vernestra, who's a young knight. So they're all very different. And I really, really love that they're showing how different, like, even, like, the younger ones within the Jedi are. Because I feel like we see that Mm -hmm. with, like, the Masters. But seeing that with, like, the next generation is really oh, cool like you're talking about being in the awkward transition phase like that they're all around the same age mm-hmm. but they're in very different positions within the order yes and how the power dynamic like works between the three of them yes because technically you know wreath is the oldest 
Um, they're all yeah. about the same age, but Wreath is the oldest, but he's still a Padawan. And I would say that sometimes Emery, like, especially when it comes to, like, you know, all those emotions that he's feeling, like, he may be a little bit more people savvy than Vernestra is. Yeah. Like, it's it's interesting to navigate. And what would you say if, like, if you're going to say, like, that's his strength, that he can um, understand people and, like, communicate in that way, what would you say, like, Reef's strength is? our poor book boy (laughs) I don't know (laughs) yet I think he's still I think the problem with Wreath is that he is so unsure of himself I I I do actually think that he's ready to be a knight but he says in this book that he's not and I think the reason he doesn't think he is is because he has all these doubts within him which I actually think is what makes him better suited to become a knight because with Vernestra, she didn't have those doubts, and then she became one, and she was just like, mm-hmm. I still feel like a Padawan. Nothing's so changed. So you think, you think his strength is perspective? Yes. Is, is like, being able to um, trust himself to a certain extent? Like, trust what he sees rather than what he's told? Yes, because I think, you know, he is very well read. He knows a lot about these different things. He's seen a lot of things. He goes on a lot of missions um as we're told like with comac i think that when it comes to understanding the galaxy he has a better grip on that than he thinks he does and i think we're gonna see that with the nile and with nan Mm because he didn't really get that reunion with nan that we thought he was gonna get in this book and i think it's gonna happen so emory is the people person reese is the like the universe person like he understands history and politics and like the way everything comes together but not necessarily like people like emory is Mm -hmm. you know what that leaves for vernestra what does it leave the force yeah she she knows the force she's in tune with it her problem is like she keeps wondering if it's what she wants or if it's what the force wants but then I think with her reconnecting with hyperspace, she's really becoming in tune with like that cosmic will. So maybe she's like the cosmic force and then Emery and Wreath are like these two halves of the living force, like with the people mm-hmm. and then with like the history and the galaxy wide, you know? Like Wreath is like very much like Padme. Oh my God. <sighs> and like if Vern is like Anakin and then Emery is like Obi-Wan. <laughs> Honestly, though, like, yeah, <laughs> I feel that. I do feel that. That is, oh, man, that is, I like that a lot. I think that's really interesting. Because I never thought about in those, in that wave one, that we could be getting, like, a secondary. The next generation. Yeah. A, like, the like next, next generation of the, like, three, like, the, like, three. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Harry Potter in a way where we get Harry, Ron, Hermione, but then, like, their previous generation is, like, like their parents. And then, like, the next generation is, like, cursed child, like, their children. Uh-huh. So, like, but, like, not only are they, like, next-gen trio, but then we also have, in the adult books, another trio. hmm So, like, they're almost, like, a reflection or, like, a foil to Elzar and Stellan and Avar. Ooh. These authors... <laughs> 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 like 
I love that. It's so connected and it works so, so well. Oh my God, it's so good. And like the potential to like watch these characters grow up more. Mm -hmm. Because I know we were saying like, oh, we really want like a Jedi, like, like Jedi Academy like novel for the older guys like bring bring them back mm-hmm. but like now i'm realizing like you know like they're kind of giving that to us the second trio they really are like i i really think that where things stand at the end of this book with vernestra going on this journey and wreath going on this other journey i do think we're gonna see emery like really have to like tap in and dig deep and like figure things out as well and i really really mm-hmm. like that so another thing with this trio that I think we kind of explore within this book is feelings because Wreath <laughs> is very attracted to girls and it makes him really flustered. She, I was going to say, I was going to say he's very girl crazy. He's so girl he has, crazy. He both, he both has a crush on um, Bernastra and on it. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime, like... I was low-key, like, ooh, Vernestra and Wreath, but then some other things happen. And I just, like, every time a girl's introduced, he's kind of like, oh, hi. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I honestly, like, I love that. And I'm excited to see him explore that with him being a Jedi. Interesting. Well, I mean, like, we know that there are some other characters who were not good Padawans. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> well, especially with... I, I do think that the ship here is, is Wreath and Nan. We just haven't quite gotten there. Yeah, it, it's oh, long game. Yeah. It's long game. Do you, oh, I'm like, I'm so behind that ship. Yeah. I'm so behind. Which him being that, like, galaxy-focused, understanding these perspectives, like, it's kind of a little bit of a Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he is going... House is divided. House is divided. I, I really think that he's going to provide some perspective to Nan. Because, like, Nan... I don't know what she's doing. She is... I think he believes that she's redeemable. She is, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think she just doesn't... She, there's no, she hasn't ever seen any other way. And she's just surviving. Yeah. She's like Kira. Yeah, she's so much like Kira. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, she's like working her way up through the ranks. Like I could see like end gaming later on. Like she's a like a heavy hitter, like an even heavier hitter Big in boss. the Nile. Like and then Wreath coming in, just like there is another way. Wreath, full Jedi Wreath, like passing his trials. Ooh. <laughs> I'm here for that. I'm so here for that. We also have a conversation with Emery and Vernestra because, like we said, like Emery is like very much in tune with everybody's emotions. And there's this really cool scene when Syl and uh, Jordana meet back up, and Emery feels it. And he's like, it felt like they were a couple and in love, but something bad happened, and Syl was sad, and Jordana was mad, but mostly at herself. And he's like, completely like feeling all that heartbreak. And Vernestra is like, oh no, dude, my my guy, you can't fall in love. <laughs> She's like, my guy. <laughs> but she has this really, really awesome passage 
where she said this was a difficult conversation for her because she had never once had any of those feelings, regardless of the people she met. She could tell when someone was attractive and there were people she liked more than others, but she had never felt that push-pull of attraction so many other Padawans did when they came of age. And I told Alex before she read this book, I'm like, Alex, there's an asexual character and you had no idea it was going to be the main character. (laughs) No, I didn't... um... I didn't know who it was going to be. I, like, it was, to me, it was obvious that it wasn't Reese. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, I didn't really know. Yeah. I was shocked. I had no idea. And, like, this is what Justina does. It's so good. This is what Justina does. Like, this is why, like, if you haven't read Dread it, Nation, it, like, read Dread Nation. Mm-hmm. She does the same thing there. I love this scene. This, like, like you said, like, right at the beginning of our conversation about this book, it's about characters and to have this um, really, like, I guess, like, quiet scene between, like, Renastra and her Padawan and, like, her opening up to Imri like this. Like, they're very close. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's, it was nice. Like, it was just, like, Justina just has this way of writing that everything just, like, flows so well. It just, it makes so much sense. Like, I feel like, you sometimes you hear authors talk about how like they're trying to write but like this character just like won't do what they want them to do like it's like the character has like become its own entity and i feel like with Mm -hmm. this book these characters feel like people like Mm -hmm. you feel like you couldn't ever make sill do something that would be like out of character because you just know her character after reading this book and like same with all of the characters with this well this is, like, completely thanks to the way the High Republic has been built. All of this planning, all of this, um, like, workshopping of all of these characters. They've known exactly who these characters have been since the beginning, since the inception. Like, sure, like, Sill's, like, a newer character, so maybe she came in, like, later on and they, they worked her in. But a lot of these characters are from Wave 1 and they're main characters that they knew we would see through all of the the phases so like there are there's probably even there's probably even more details about these characters that they have in their super secret shared google docs or whatever um that secrets that are going to come up like different things different like tidbits about characters that have are are going to make sense to us when they're revealed to us no but you're absolutely right like the thing about like reading and like characters that makes it so special is like when you know that like there's so much more that exists from this character that's off the page and like you can feel it because they just feel Mm -hmm. like they're this multi-dimensional entity yeah and and those and those details about the character are going to come into play when they're needed when Mm -hmm. they serve the plot when they serve um character building that's when the the details will be revealed but they've always been ingrained in the like build of the character yeah well because like here's an example of like this and we can definitely use vernestra and like her ace rep here like you could have thrown this detail in with her being asexual in that middle grade book and it'd be just like a throwaway offhand yeah she doesn't have those connections because she's a jedi Mm -hmm. you know kind of thing but instead Justina gave her this, like, quiet moment to really, like, build on. It's like, it's not just because the Jedi shun attachments. I just don't have them. Like, she just really talks about it. 
And we have seen when it's like a throwaway kind of representation because that's in mm-hmm. Black Spire. I love Vi. I love that she, you know, is representing for that ace community, but it is so throwaway. And it feels so like, you know, like, haha, you can't Not ship planned. her anymore. Like, it didn't, it didn't feel planned. And also, like, I was going to mention, like, Poe. Yeah. In mm-hmm. The Rise of Skywalker, like, giving him, like, a woman love interest. Well, like, it doesn't feel it right. feel right. Yeah. It just feels, like, thrown in for the purpose of making a statement that, like, well, actually, he's not gay. Yeah. Which is exactly how Vi felt and, like, all yeah. that. Well, especially, like, everyone really felt... I would say I think the majority of people of people from the Phasma book felt romantic connection mm-hmm. between And then it them. felt very much like, don't ship them, you know? Mm-hmm. Which I is the same with Poe. It was like, don't ship him with Finn. Is what that yeah, felt like. And there, was, and there was never anything in any of the High Republic books that made me say, I'm shipping Bernaster with someone. No, yeah. Like, at the beginning of this book, I think, it like, that scene was all from Wreath's perspective. And perspective, he's girl crazy. Yeah. So, like, you and feel I mean, it. At, at that point, I, I was already shipping him with Nan, so I wasn't yeah. I wasn't even shipping him with Bernaster. Well, no, scene. but, like, it's so interesting to see, because, like, yeah. It's so framed from Wreath's perspective to the point where you're just like, yeah. oh, yeah, like, I could see him, you know, be with, you know, like, Vernestra or whatever, and then you get it from Vernestra's perspective, and she's looking at it completely differently, and mm-hmm. that's because these characters feel like people, like, to the point where yeah. their perspectives even feel vastly different. Like, this wasn't one of those books where, like, I ever, I never got confused with whose perspective I was in, you yeah. know? This is why this book is, like you said, like, the second best YA, second best Star Wars book. Mm-hmm. Because the characters are so fleshed out. They know exactly, like, Justina knows these characters. Mm-hmm. Knows them. And like you said, like, this is just the surface for us. But she knows them on a very deep level. And she's starting to just, like, sprinkle the seeds of things that we don't know about them. Gosh. Like, that, more than anything, is what makes me so excited. Like, we're gonna see what's, like, what's gonna happen to Vernestra. Is Wreath gonna get knighted? Like, is he gonna stop doubting himself? Like, oh my gosh. Is Emery gonna be able to control his powers? Is, like, <sighs> Do you think that they are going to take Imri away from Vernestra, like anybody, would be like, I actually think that this wasn't a good fit. We're going to match him with somebody else or, like, something like that. You know, I think it's more likely that Vernestra will take that upon herself to do that. You're so right, Send him away. She's going to send him away. And he's going to be her. (gasps) You're so right. Oh, my God. She's going to send him away. She's probably going to push everybody away. I feel like it's what's yeah. going to end up happening. She's yeah, going to start she, pushing people gonna away. He's not going to be taken away from her. Mm-mm. He's going to be abandoned. He's going to feel very abandoned. Mm-hmm. Well, and she can't hide anything from him because he's so in tune with her emotions. So, like, he'll know that, like, something's not right, too. Like... Yeah. Like, you know, he... Emery has my D&D character's power. We play D&D <gasps> yes. on Sundays. And, like, my character has the power to... Um, just get, like, an emotion from someone. I can't, like, figure out why they're feeling that, but I can get, like, an overall feel. So I, like, Emery also can do that. You can sense emotion. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I love that so freaking much. 
And we haven't even mentioned, you know, Wreath also has a power. We haven't gotten to, we didn't see him use it in this book, but like he has that yeah. ability from Fallen Order. Calcastus. Yeah, he can like touch something and he kind of gets like a vision of it. Doesn't like Ray kind of have that in Trotsky? <sighs> does that even count? Does it just Trotsky? No. <laughs> No, it doesn't. I'm trying to remember, like, what even happened to Like, I Well, think she, like, picks something. up the knife, and she's like, horrible things have Here's... been done with this knife. <laughs> yeah, well, or it's more in the novel that you get that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, what I want to see with Wreath is I want to see him touch something of Nan's and, like, fully understand her. Be like, oh, this is why you joined the Nile. And there's actually a passage in here about that. I wonder if I can just open right to it. Probably not. It's something that Jordana says, because she's talking about the, the like, order and the force and all that. And she ends up saying, um, like, do you know why people join the Nile? And then she continues on, because we all want a place to belong. The Nile have given the castoffs and the losers yeah. of the galaxy a home. They've given people with nothing something. And that is a very powerful thing. It... It really, it really reminds me of Kira. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of, like, surviving. And, like, you know, if you can find a place in the galaxy that you can succeed in and you can find a place for yourself where you can actually put food on the table and take care of yourself, it, it kind of trumps everything else because, like, living in the Star Wars galaxy is not easy. No, it's not. <laughs> Like, I, like, like, you could, like, you could see yourself, like, resorting to becoming a Nile to survive. Like, that, the, that's the truth of it. Do you know what else it kind of makes me think of? Um, what? It makes me think of Ventress joining the dark side. Yeah, because they took her in. Yeah, they took her, she had nothing. She had no one. And she was full of all this rage, and she was so angry. And it just... Ventress, I love like, you. You know who else joined the dark side? Because they were upset and had nowhere else. Ben Solo. Like, I just think this ability to, like, understand the Nile is going to be really crucial. Um, mm-hmm. Not that the, the not that the Nile is not, like, evil, because Lorna D, there's stuff going on with her. Um, obviously, we'll find out a little bit more about that later. But, and, you know, Marky Mark. Well, people, like, so, like, people, like, Marky Mark and Lorna D, like, they're powerful enough, I think, that, like, they could survive on their own within the galaxy. But people like Nan, like, Nan, like, relies on having that place for herself and being able to take care of herself and survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She she needs it. She She needs that support system. And I think the key to getting her to really see perspective is offering that belonging mm-hmm. somewhere else. Yeah. Well, there's there's a fine line within Nile of surviving and then becoming power hungry. I think mm-hmm. being there so long and and moving, you get addicted to moving up the ranks. I think yeah, you see that a little bit in Rising Storm. Um, so it's like that fine line, like like where it kind of becomes it takes over your consciousness. Mm-hmm. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, so that was a lot of talk on the character. <laughs> I was just like, oh man, there's still other book to go. Um, another thing I want to mention about our characters before we move on, there are two, count them, two pets in this book. 
Mm-hmm. One is a Volcra named Remy. Remy. She has lightning power. What does a Volcra look like? I looked it up. It's not even in the data bank yet. Or when I looked it up, uh, there wasn't one. There's no, and there's no High Republic art? Not, I hadn't seen Volcra? it yet. It's smaller than the lions that the Chancellor has. But they're bigger than like a... Like a Woth cat? Like... Because, like, I just was like, oh, well, there's loft cats. They are, like, the cats, but apparently there's this other kind of cat. <laughs> there's other cats. Where do they meet Remy? I know I flagged it. Okay, yes. So, Remy is a hunting cat with rosettes of green and blue, nearly the size of a small human, but nowhere near oh. as large as Chancellor So's Targon's. Um, a small human. Yeah, small human. Like like a child or like a small I adult? I would say instead of it being like cat-sized, like maybe like a medium dog. Like a lynx. Yeah, like that kind of size. Um, and it has... That's a good size. It has curving horns and electricity crackles um, between them. That's amazing. Oh, right? It's <laughs> so pretty. Maybe that's my new favorite Star Wars. Honestly, like the second that's I read really it, I was cool. like, oh my god, yes. Um, and then there's another one, and it's a Thiel Yehan snow dog um, named Palinka. Palinka. Yeah. Snow dog. Snow dog. It's like a husky. It, the beast was huge with six stocky legs and a wide, smiling six. mouth. Two sets of eyes. I wonder if they can pull, like, sleighs, like, sled dogs. Oh, that would be so sweet. And, like, every time the dog is in the book, it's because people accidentally sit on her. They're like, oh, it's just a chair. She's just hanging out. (laughs) I love that. That was so cute. And, again, like, I don't know if there's a picture of that one either, but very, very sweet. So we talked about the politics um, a little bit, Like like, the unrest with the Jedi, um, that there's some tension, people wanted to do things differently. Um, I would say another facet of this book, it's all about the hyperspace lanes. And I find everything with the hyperspace in the higher public, it's not confusing, it's just not the way it is in the movies. Like, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So basically, the thing with the hyperspace lines, they don't exactly work like they are in the movies. Um, they So we didn't even talk about Xylan Graf. <laughs> we didn't even mention him. He's, like, very flamboyant. He's a rich boy. Honestly, I love his character. He's pretty fun. <laughs> um, but he takes Syl to see um, a hyperspace scientist who is a gun-gun, his name is Professor Wolk, I think. Oh my god, I love yeah. him. <laughs> um, and he's the one who like kind of tells us everything here about hyperspace. Mm-hmm. And so he says, some will tell you hyperspace lanes are navigable wormholes, and others will claim they are roots carved out by some ancient race that no longer exists. It's just, it's space. It's, like, hard for me to, like, wrap my head around it. I never thought of them as, like, lanes, you know? Because in the movies, they Mm -hmm. can just... Like, the highway. Like, I feel like they talk about it like the highway in High Republic. And, like, in High Republic, the thing is, is, like, they're using this highway, but then, like, the Nile are just driving wherever they want, basically. Which, in the movies, is kind of how they're doing it, and I think it's just because their tech is more advanced. It's, like, 
I think is what we're getting at. There's a lot of talk about like using these lanes and how they can be available and you have to navigate when things are moving and all of this wonderful fun stuff. Um, and the- I guess like gravity too. Gravity. Like, gravity wells mm. and like planets. You could be like pulled in a different direction. Yeah. Well, they talk about like the Nile use this one lane and they're like, that never should have been possible because like in two days time, like the moons would have moved and like now there's no lane there anymore. So like why would yeah. we have mapped something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's because Maurice and Tekka can do that yeah, shit. Yeah, Maurice just can plug in and be like, oh, yeah, you mm-hmm. make the jump. It's totally fine. And I think by the time we get into, like, movie territory, their computers have just advanced more. So maybe... Yeah. Maybe late... Well, it's like... Tes- they're like Tesla they're, like Tesla. they're like self-driving cars. Yeah, well, and, like, their droids got better. Like, I think maybe we'll see, like, late game High Republic. Maybe they're, like, starting to develop that technology or something like that. Mm-hmm. But basically, like, the thing in this book that everybody wants is there's this little patch of space where there's no planets and there's no people, there's no settlements. It's just empty. And the graphs want it to test weapons, or at least that's kind of what they say that they want it for. Um, But there's all this talk of there being a Nile super secret weapon in that area um, called the Gravity Well, which basically weaponizes hyperspace because it can pull people out of it yeah that's scary and like had the sequel trilogy had that they could just pull like especially in last jedi when they're like following them at like a really slow speed Mm -hmm. they could have just used a gravity well to like stop them yeah just pull them straight out of hyperspace if they tried to jump away like that is really scary to think about the reason a lot of people discount this is is again it's it's like how the nile moves through hyperspace they're like i just can't you just can't do it like the calculations it's just not possible um but sill's mother who dun 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 faked her death is actually an evil scientist who built the gravity well and she's like crazy smart and knows a lot of things about hyperspace yeah but I think, like, Syl's mother is just, like we've said before, surviving. Mm-hmm. Well, she's friends with Lorna D. And, and the graphs. And the graphs. Well, and I think she's always been friends with Lorna because when she talks to Syl later, she says, you remember Auntie Lorna. <gasps> I, like, I completely miss that. Yeah. Part. That's, like... <laughs> so, like... You know, Syl even knew. Because she, like, recalls a memory. She's like, oh, yeah, I know who Lorna D is. Like, they've been working together. And, I like, this is a part of the story that, like, I had to kind of go back and refresh myself on. So, like, mm-hmm. Chansey Yarrow, which is Syl's mom, left Syl on the planet where Jordana was so that she could go work with the Nile. Like, she didn't want to take Syl with her and basically, like, faked her death because of it. Um... When Syl gets tired of waiting, she leaves t- um, to go find her mom. And then, you know, her mom's actually dead. And she tries to get Jordana to come with her. She wouldn't come, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Syl does still, or Chansey still really does love Syl. And in this, like, basically she is working with the graphs because they're funding her experiment. But the whole reason Syl even gets sucked into this is because she's like, I want you to bring me my daughter. And that's why Xylan goes and finds her to bring Syl to Chansey to 
finish what they're working on. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. Like, the thing I couldn't ever wrap my brain around was what Xylan was doing. Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like every two pages, they're like, hey, this thing doesn't make sense. He's like, you're right. You discovered my trap. And let me explain to you why I'm actually doing this thing. Like, every time. But the graphs are working with the Nile, with Lorna D specifically, not with not with Marky Mark. Marky Mark has no idea that this is happening. Um, to build this gravity well, to work with Chansey Yarrow, she's going to get a new lab. She's going to be doing all this fun stuff. And Xylan went to Coruscant to get Syl, but then also to get some Jedi, which they were going to turn over to Marky Mark because he's doing these experiments on Jedi, um, which we saw happen with um, Loden Greatstorm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where things start to go down in this book because they get ambushed. The um, Syl gets taken, the Padawans get taken, and they have to go and rescue them. Which was kind of a lot. Like, when I got to that part, when yeah. I was skimming through, I was like, The oh, end right. of the book is, like, a lot happens. Yeah. A lot starts to kind of happen all at once. And I think the crux of it is that everybody has their own agenda. And that that is something that is stressed in the book, too. Like, we had advanced copies. And I, I kind of feel like things might have been structured a little bit differently in this actual book that I skimmed in through. the final? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, like, it just flowed a little bit easier. I don't know if that's because I already knew or what was going on. But everyone has an agenda. Like, it doesn't matter which, like, which senator you're working with, whoever. Like, they're all doing something for their own gain. And that's kind of the problem that Vernestra is forced into. Like, she's being used as a pawn, and she doesn't like it. And once you kind of realize, like, nobody's really being straight with you, like, it's very obvious that, like, the matriarch is pulling every single string at that point. Well, who can you trust? Nobody, honestly. (laughs) You can't trust any of them. The thing here is that they kind of came up with this plot to steal Mary Santeca as well to, like, finish the paths. And then obviously Mary dies, um, which I kind of think was her own doing since she got away from Marky Mark. Well, yeah, she's been... How old is she now? Over 100. (laughs) Yeah. She's, like, already dead, basically, though. She's just a tool at this point. Yeah, 100%. And I I think she took this as an opportunity, and that's probably what allowed her to finally reach out to somebody like Vernestra and be like, I'm going to go now. I'm going to peace out. So here, take this. You're going to need it later. The thing that she does with Vernestra is she gives her a path. It says one last path, and it was always meant for you, which we don't know anything about, but she doesn't tell anybody about it, but she knows that it's going to be important. Vernestra keeping all these secrets are going to blow up in her face. Oh, 100%. I <laughs> have this feeling that she's going to go by herself and then something's going to happen to her. Get caught. Yeah. To me, like, what's building up with Vernestra, especially now that Mary's gone, is that the Nile are going to find out about her and they're going to take her. Because mm-hmm. now they need and somebody. And this is going to be after she abandons Emery. Yep. Yep. <laughs> She's probably going to push Emery away, go off on her own, and the Nile are going to find her and the Nile are going to take her. <laughs> That's what I think. Or she's going to confide this to Wreath, who will in turn say something to Nan, and that could be how the Nile finds out about oh. her. Oh. I think that, yeah, I agree with that one. 
like, you know, <laughs> which could even lead to like, who can you trust? Like she trusts, mm-hmm. you know, she trusts Reith. But then if Reith says something to Nan, who she can't trust. I love that there's this story going on and then there's the entire other Elzar, Avar, like Stellan story that's completely separate. I know. That is going to like crossover it's amazing because like the plot line like if you're just following the plot like it it is like a through line but then it branches mm-hmm. off with the characters in all these ways that just like you could spend it's days not even, like well i was gonna say it's not even like a plot and b plot no like they're like equal they're like there's this plot and this plot and then eventually we're gonna bring them all together and you're it's gonna blow your mind yeah no literally <laughs> <laughs> like yeah you're because you're right like it's not even the A-plot in this book is just as important as, like, the A-plot in, like, Rising Storm, like, yeah. with other characters. It mm-hmm. just so happens that they're all kind of following the Nile. And, like, in this book, you learn a little bit more about hyperspace. And, like, Marie Santeca is now dead, which is going to have ramifications with Marky Mark, who we'll probably see in, like, the next adult novel. I keep saying Marky Mark because I don't know how to pronounce his name correctly. And that's more fun. Well, it depends next week well not even next week today as this this comes that's out that's true the tempest runner when does that take place what are they gonna say what information are we gonna get out of that um how tied is the tempest runner to the previous books like will will it be separate enough in a way where they're thinking like oh if people just want to pick up this audio drama they can do it or is it going to be completely tied to all this and you're going to be lost if you don't know any of this i feel like it might be kind of like a prequel like yeah so you think that like chancey yarrow is gonna be in it maybe i i could definitely seeing it see it being kind of like you know this background and this history on Lorna D. Like, you know how we're going to get, like, um, Marchian comic? I think this is kind of going to be, mm-hmm. like, her equivalent. And But yeah. I think that, you know, like, with Star Wars, you can... It kind of goes out of order. You can read it in any orders. The way you or- order it makes a difference. I think that book coming after this one is important because at the end of this book... Basically, they tell, like, the graphs are still pretending like they're not working with the Nile. And they tell them that the leader of the Nile is Lorna D. Like, Mm -hmm. they believe that the eye of the storm is Lorna D. And from, like, the other two adult novels, it seems like she is really trying to, like, get in this position to, like, stage a coup and take over the entire Nile. She's very Kira. She's very Kira. She really is. And I think, like, if you picked up this book and, like, didn't know anything about, like, if you picked up Tempest Runner, didn't know anything about Lorna, you'd probably be fine. Same way, like, if you just went into Phantom Menace, didn't know anything, like, you'd be fine. But I think also knowing all of this, all of these things about her and how she's connected and how she's doing these things will make a difference in what we're going to see. It was so crazy to me that it was so connected. Like, the fact that Mary Santeca dies in, like, the YA book when she's introduced in an adult novel, like, that's crazy. Well, it makes me wonder, like, how many people are only picking up the adult books? And, like, you're like, missing so much. how are they so going to address that? Yeah. You're missing so, so much. Which, I mean, I guess you could kind of say, like, like in Star Wars, you know, like, 
stuff happens. You don't always see everything that happens, and they'll go back and they'll fill in blanks. Mm -hmm. So they'll probably play it off like that. But it's like, if you really want the full picture, like, it's everywhere. I don't think Marie Santeca dying is something that you just brush off. No, it's so big. Yeah, like, I guess people who are only reading the adult books, they'll get that information and be like, oh, maybe I should read the YA books. As you should. As you 100% should. And, like, I would say that Out of the Shadows is a sequel to A Test of Courage first, and Mm -hmm. then The Rising Storm, and then Into the Dark. Yeah. Into the Dark is a lot more concentrate like isolated mm-hmm. i mean into the dark introduces wreath master cormac and nan and then the drin gear but like the drin gear yeah. are more in the comics so i feel like if you haven't read into the dark and you start here like it wouldn't be that big of a deal but i think knowing about vernestra and, and emery and how they came together is important and I think the disaster on Valo is very important because <laughs> so much happened there. <laughs> okay, so the end of this book. Where where are we at at the end of this book? What What is the ending? So Mary Santeca dies. Big deal, yes. And she gives um, Vernestra one final path. That That is definitely, like, I think the takeaway is that Vernestra has this path and that she's not telling Stellan. We also have Nan joining up with Yancey, or Chansey, <laughs> forgot her name for yeah, a second, yeah. Yancey. She's like, she's like Space Nancy. Space Nancy. Um, yeah, so joining up with her, the Graphs, and all of them. She's going to be an informant now. So she, they basically, like, bought her loyalty, but also, like, yeah. it would be suicide to try to go back to Marchian after everything that's happened. Yeah. Um, and then we also have Dill and Jordana being sent to Maz on Tokadana. Yeah, they're going to they're going to work for mm-hmm. her, and they get to be they together. get to be together. So like, here's the thing though, like so, Xylan, even though he like betrayed them all, still was like, I keep my word, and like gave them this like huge ship. Um, and, like, all this money, and then was like, hey, here's, you know, a contact, go talk to Maz, and apparently, um, Chansey was the one that wanted Syl to go to Maz, because she knew she'd be safe there. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. What side of the fight is Maz on? My god, like, I, do you think we're going to see them come back and be on Tokodana. Like, do you think we're going to see that? Yeah. Because that, her, like, that cantina's been there for centuries. But it gets, like, destroyed in Force Awakens. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what, well, it gets destroyed because Big Scary Boy needed his girlfriend back, so. Um, I I feel like they're not going to, since she kind of exists, since still kind of exists outside of that, like, trio we were talking about, I feel like we're not going to check back in with her until probably phase two. I don't think she's going to come back in the third wave. You don't think so? I don't think so. Unless they, like, call back on her for help. But I feel like 
the third wave is going to be more about Reith and Nan specifically, um, like YA focused anyway, and Vernestra because she has this path and like what's going on there. But it's Daniel Jose Older doing the YA. Yes, it is. Which I, I don't know if I I can see him doing Reef and Nan. That's very true. Well, I they're mean, long it's gaming it, I just They're long gaming he, it. So he'll sprinkle in a little It'll bit. just be, yeah, as a treat. Get a little romance as a treat. Yeah. I, I just, like, to me, Syl and Jordana seem kind of wrapped up. They almost feel like they're in, like, a like an Afra scenario. Like, maybe they're going to get, like, a comic series with Moz. Ooh, that would be so good. Yeah, like, I'd be really Ooh, into that. I want that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, listen, I want space girlfriends and their cat becoming pirates. Because then we would actually see what the cat looks like. Yes. See, this is what we want. And, like, <laughs> I don't know who would write that. Who would, who would write a good adventure for them? Well, I would love to see, like rep like in writing like have someone queer write that yes story that'd be amazing oh my gosh you know um who's the author of the afro comics right now um i don't remember her i don't either (laughs) all i can remember is the author of the audio drama um which is sarah coon yeah i don't know but she would be good because i feel like afra has the same kind of vibe as to how they were set up so mm-hmm. I think that would work out pretty well. I'd be very interested Definitely. in that. Okay. Is that... Did we cover it? Is that all of... I think oh so. Oh, my gosh. Y'all, this book, like, even though we spoiled the end and, like, you kind of know what happens, like, there's so much... We could talk for days about the character development in this book. Like, literal days. Like, you need to read this book. You really need to read this book. Between this and Rising Storm... Wow. Honestly, like, wave two, like, what a banger. Banger after banger. Mm. Every, nothing missed. Every, everything was so, so good. And then wave three, Claudia Gray is writing the adult novel. Adult. Like. Avar, Elzar. The fallen star. Stellan. The fallen star. Is it a person or is it a thing? It could be both. Is it multiple things? It could be both. Starlight Beacon is definitely going oh, down. Oh, 100%. It is so Do going down. Do you think Avar is going down? I don't know. I definitely think... So, like, who are our stars? I think... I think it's Avar. Yeah, I, I, don't I think know what, Avar like, is, like, the shining light of Starlight Beacon. I think that Stellan is, like, our star poster boy of the Jedi and then we have Elzar who is just fighting with this darkness in him I think everybody's gonna fall do you think okay so like there was what a year break between wave one and two Mm -hmm. okay and then like let's say there's a year between wave two and three we don't know that but let's just let's just continue that pattern do you think that between phases there will be like bigger time jumps oh my god (laughs) that like we could potentially jump to a place where we don't necessarily see like wreaths nighting like in a book like it's like like let's say there's like a five-year jump 
between phases. Like, for example, and he's he's a knight by then. Honestly, I could 100% see that. The only reason that I'm, like, hesitating is because they would have to give us new Padawans. Yeah, because, I mean, they can rotate in new characters. Oh, yeah, well, and I think we're kind of seeing that with the um, the middle grade characters that haven't transitioned into YA yet. Um, mm-hmm. Or, like, the ones from the adventure comics. Maybe they'll get more substantial stories, like, as time goes on. Um, I would not be opposed to a five-year jump and then getting, like, a high YA or even new adult um, second-gen trio. Give me that angst. Nat, Nan and Reese? Yes. New adult. New adult. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, new adult does not have to be Court of Silver Flames. Like, it can be low-key. It just... <laughs> I mean, like, I'll take something like a Court of Silver Flames. Star Wars is never going to give us a Court of Silver Flames, I know, Flames, I, know I know. I'm <laughs> although, just saying that I would take it. Although, I would take do it. you know what Justina did in this book? Nan says the word kinky in oh, a yeah. Star Wars book. I didn't know that word existed in Star Wars. Do Do Jedi know what kinks are? I feel like Elzar does. <laughs> Yeah, he does. <laughs> okay, but now now that I've said that, Nan is a serpent and Wreath is a dove. Is a dove. <laughs> <laughs> I see where you're going. I see where I'm going. Um Yes. I mean that would be like subtle. Listen, Alex, the scene in Gods and Monsters. I know, no, no, I know. I, I'm going to start it, it today, I think. And it, it, it is the chapter, Take Me to Church. It was okay. that chapter. I know, I know. I know. Oh, so, so I good. Know. So good. Um, but anyway, that is going to do it for Out of the Shadows. Next up from us will likely be Tempest Runner and Edge of Balance. Um, we are very excited about that. Um, I hope everybody out there downloaded uh, Tempest Runner today and is listening to it because it's going to be really, really exciting. Visions is coming up. Get hype for Visions. That's going to be really, really cool. Um, but if you'd like to keep the conversation going with us, um, I would love to hear like who is your favorite character? What do you think of our second gen trio? Anything like that. Um, you can find us on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.